Hello everybody, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog, I am Cammy Black. We've got feedback here somehow, haven't we? I can hear my own voice. It's a bit weird. You're, you're, you're kind of you're roboting already, Cam. I'm roboting already. It'll sort itself out, I'm sure. Anyway, we've um, we 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 didn't think there'd be much to talk about this week. I thought, well, the Chile team's getting announced. Let's do this Thursday, and then loads of news has happened. In fact, news happened almost immediately after John uploaded the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it did. Yes, it did. So we'll come on to that probably in a moment. But joining me this evening, we've got Johnny McGinty. Good evening, Johnny. Good evening. John Anderson, hello John. Yo! And Craig Manson, hello Craig. Hello all, how are we doing? Um, you can watch us live, we are on uh, YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. Um, you can also download the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere else that you can get podcasts, you should be able to download the podcast as well. If you want extra content every week, then from £3 a month, you can sign up to the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash scottish rugby podcast and we will give you a bonus weekly episode um and when we don't put out uh normal episodes we'll try and put out a, a, a patreon only episodes as well um you also get access to a super secret social media group that we've got where you can join like-minded people inside this echo chamber that is our patreon uh, facebook group <laughs> a marvelous place to be we're all as one voice slagging off the same people it's nice <laughs> nice place to be. Spe- speaking and- of slagging off people, can can we just address two two points of action here? Point number one is that a weight spinch behind Johnny? Yes. Right. Okay. The, it's so- always been there. The only reason that you can, you notice it now is because I'm not in uni at the moment, so I've actually been using it. So it's got. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. not got his washing. Yeah. Yeah. It has got Hoggy's shorts are still on it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they're just in the corner there. Yeah. Yeah, and point point two. Why is Craig lighting his face with a tesseract? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm. I'm. It is such a, a beautiful day that the sun is shining straight through into, into my room. So I've put the blind down, but unfortunately, there's so much garbage on the shelf that I can't get the blind down fully. So I've got a little section here. That's <laughs> that's that sun. <laughs> I don't think it's on. I think it's. I was gonna say it's. It's the. You've got the suit. A small, tiny model of the suitcase from um, Pulp Fiction just over yeah. on your desk. Yeah, like, I am Sean Travolta. The sun's <laughs> reflected off his DVD copy of Defend the Castle, Edinburgh's Double Game Season. Just come out. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag Pizza Crunch. <laughs> Double winning season. Yeah, they won the eighteen seventy two of the Pizza Crunch Trophy. Please tell me, they've, please, have they released the DVD of that, though, Johnny? No, but me and John suggested maybe not, that not yet. No, not yet. If it was Glasgow and they'd won any sort of sort of uh, silverware this year, they would have it out. That's for sure. I believe what I originally asked them to do was to release a VHS limited edition of it. But that's right. Yes. No reply. No reply. Your 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 marketing team are dreadful, Craig. It's a mystery. My marketing team. You haven't met my marketing team of the uh, of the of the the cult of Blair. Of the Hoover. Craig doesn't need marketing. I don't need marketing. No, Hoover sell themselves. He just, he, he just the good word spreads itself, John. <laughs> um, we see we've well, this got started well. Hola from Santiago. Hello, Angus, <laughs> out on tour. Ooh. We've got people watching from Chile. 
That's exciting. So that just... is a massive humble Does... brag, isn't it? Uh, I need to know if Angus lives right in Santiago or if he's gone all the way to Santiago to watch Scotland. Eight. Yeah, let us know, Angus. And we're really sorry you've tuned in for some quality rugby chat and all we've been doing is talking about Tesseracts and um, VHS <laughs> tapes. So, which as a treat for Angus, because I don't know what the time difference there is. I'm assuming it's going to be, what, are they ahead or behind? Uh, they'll be they're behind seven so, hours behind ish, maybe. Oh, sorry, yeah, I, was I, I was a bit worried it was past his bedtime, so we'll, we'll, there's no rush to do the chili. You can listen to the other chat before we get to the chili preview in a moment. <laughs> um, I want to pick up though, I think it's important that we pick up from kind of the discussion you guys were having last week about the announcement for the support for the women's game because <laughs> we, we, you had that <laughs> and didn't, didn't I look like an ass? I know, a week ago, that, but, but well. This is the thing, right? And we've talked about it before on this podcast. Sometimes, the well, more often than not, the comms from the SRU is just atrocious. So we had this women's strategy announced on, was it the Wednesday you did the podcast? Done it on the Wednesday, so it was out on the Wednesday. It was out on the Wednesday. We did Wednesday night, out Thursday. Thursday lunchtime, there's a massive package of financial support for women's rugby announced. Yeah, because they announced the strategy on Monday. That was uh, it, yeah. And it was hugely underwhelming. <laughs> Nonsense. Craig, Craig and John yeah. made several references to the fact that it was very underwhelming on Wednesday night, and then on Thursday they're like, ha, 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 look all this money. <laughs> Don't you look like the schmucks? <laughs> <laughs> I like with your, ooh, with your fancy podcast. On purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, it, if people had tuned into the official Scottish rugby podcast, then they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have had this disappointment. Yeah. No. You don't I, get I, chat about VHS tapes on uh, on the official one. You don't just, know. You just get uh, Chris Patterson in his car, looking like his wife kicked his wife's kicked him out, <laughs> and he's nowhere else to go. And, and I didn't know that was an option. If I knew that was an option, I could. You can do it from your car, like like Mossy. He looks. He looks like. Do you remember Marion and Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he's sat outside. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's a very happily married man, but he honestly looks like he records it from outside his ex-wife's house. <laughs> Every time they'd have to do every, I don't know whether he's just not got space in his house to go find somewhere quiet, and he just has to go to his car on the driveway. But it, it just looks like they've, you know, just he's, caught him. Like he's halfway through a monologue about captaincy, and then just goes, oh, "The bitch is going out." <laughs> Hang on, everyone. Here comes another DM do. from the SRU tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we should clarify that. So we, we, Chris Patterson looks like he's outside of his <laughs> ex-wife's house. We're not saying that he is. He's obviously out there because he needs somewhere quiet to go. So you need, not, if, if anything, what we're, we're pushing for here is Chris Patterson needs to earn more money from the SRU. Yeah. SRU like, needs to pay Chris Patterson more money so he can afford to... A shed at the like, bottom of the garden. To do shed at the bottom of the garden, that's all it is. I'm in the kids' yeah. playroom, Chris. It's fine. Has <laughs> anyway. got a playroom? That's, that's all we want to know. No, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say where my head just went there. Let's just move on. Just play, right? Mine also did. Mine also, I, I took a beat. I took a beat and I thought we're not in the Patreon, not in the Patreon special yet. Let's just save that thought for later on. Yeah. Chris Patterson's playroom, possible title for this podcast. Anyway. <laughs> let's get back to it. Because I mean, this is the frustrating thing is with the announcements, you know, the big thing that got not just coverage from within Scotland, but outside of Scotland. And there was huge support from professional women as rugby players in England, from rugby commentators. You know, Squidge was all over it. You know, big, huge thing. The announcement on Thursday was the thing everyone latched on to. This was like, this is big news. 
Scotland are investing in professional women's rugby, that should have been the headline. They yeah. should be like, we're launching this big thing of human and we're also launching this strategy, by the way, which is kind of this other, this is just going alongside it. But here's the big news, folks, on the Monday for you to chat about for the rest of the week. Not, not here's a strategy with the five W's that aren't really W's, but we've, you know, someone's come up with the idea of the five W's, but so we're going to stick with it. Um, and we're going to do some sort of funding for women's rugby. And then you and Craig, you and John get all upset about it. And then, like I said, look like schmucks. Agents, it's the wrong way around, is what I'm saying. It's... Agents it. No, it was the wrong way around, and actually, we were just saying that that the the optic of massive announcement of support for let's call it what it is, contracted players as well as other grassroots funding, with uh, an amendment that is, and we're also supporting the women for the World Cup. We're putting investment into that. That just that switch round looks so much better than. It, I mean, it does just look like, oh, we're, we're, we're going to put this out. Maybe that'll be enough. Oh, no, look, John and Craig moaned about it. Right, we'll put some more out. Yeah. I mean, I don't I think, think it can so. be that because we're taking more planning than just sat watching you at half past eight on a Thursday or a Wednesday night <laughs> <laughs> turning the fresh release in a whole launch. But well, yeah, you we'll never know. Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> the, th- the thing is, so also, also then, it then looks like now that they've, they've released the first part of it and the first part of it is saying that we're supporting them to the world to the World Cup, and then if they get if they qualify from for the next World Cup, then we'll make them all we'll make them all professional. If they don't qualify for the World Cup, then maybe will we put the funding in? It, it, it just comes out, you know, the cynical Craig in me comes out and thinks, is that a possibility? You know, um, I'm I'm over the yeah I'm I'm over the moon with it. I'm absolutely made up and I'm really thankful that they've actually got the fingering out of a, the proverbial and got on with it. Um and I I, I think it's it, it's a positive, positive step. Um but just as you say, it's it's, it's like trying to find the backside from their elbow, you know? Yeah. But it is positive because it's I mean it provides some certainty. I think somebody pointed out on Twitter when we were kind of talking about it, we don't know to what level they're being the contracts are going to be. So some of the players will already have professional jobs that may actually pay better than you know what's on offer from professional rugby it's still i'm not you obviously can't go from not to 60 like that and expect you know parity with the men immediately but i would it, you would hope that that would come quite quickly johnny that you know we they can't be we, you know at least needs to be more than a living wage yeah. Because ultimately, yeah. it's just like the men's player, they're putting the bodies on the line, and you know, have career careers are frighteningly short in rugby, as we know. Yeah. So, like, because I've kind of used the example of Rachel Malcolm quite a lot. I can't see them paying her as much as being a doctor is going to pay her. Certainly not straight away. So, whether part of the strategy is maybe they say to her, you know, if the NHS will let you go down to two days a week, she's not a GP you know, doctor, up to full or whatever. She's not a GP doctor, you know. No, no, no. She's sport. She? She's a she's a PhD in sports. Oh, is she? Science. Ah, I thought she was a doctor, doctor. No, no, no. She's a PhD doctor. She's a proper who's, doctor rather who's, than one. Who's that... the doctor, doctor then? Because one of them's like a medical doctor, they not. There's a couple of vets. There's a couple of vets. So in those cases, are they going to go to them and say, you know, if your employer will let you do two days a week, we'll make up the rest of your wage, or 
are they going to ask people to choose? Because that's not a, not a very nice situation either. Um, hopefully, it expands from here, and this is but just you, a starting point. But if you, if you want to be a professional sports sports person in a game that um, by the age of thirty to thirty five you're finished, and if you're qualified as a vet, then you then if the wage is a, is an okay living wage, then you've got that opportunity to say I'm going to put my my veterinarian career on hold and I'm going to go and actually be a professional sports star and that's that's the, the argument that, that I've been kind of talking about lately is the fact that we need to give these these professional athletes the opportunity to say right well you know there's Jamie Roberts for example studied all the way through while he was and he's now a doctor doctor um, and he's got the opportunity to continue playing as a rugby player or become a doctor now okay fair enough he's being paid well you know, in his heyday, I'm sure he'd be getting paid five hundred thousand or four hundred thousand or whatever. Which I, I don't think, I, I don't think our women are going to be paid. But there's no chance they're going to be paid that amount of money with the, <laughs> if the SRU have anything to do with it. But you know, we need to be in a situation where we, we now, if we want to be, if the if, if the money is there and the contracts are there, then we need to start bringing through professional players. And then it's up to them to then deal with their other career further down the line. Yeah, yeah I so think so that, that makes sense. But the problem yeah. with that is that, like, if you're a vet and you've got your mortgage based on a vet salary and your car's based on a vet salary and all that, and then all of a sudden yeah. you're saying, oh, actually, for 10 years, I'm not making a vet salary, it's, it's that's that's a huge decision to make, ask them to make. Yeah. It depends what the difference is, though. Like, oh, you never know, they might be getting paid similar. But it's not, I suppose, it's not a chart. It's, I suppose it's difficult. It's the kind of thing that we, Scottish rugby got wrong at the start of men's professionalism is the transit. It's the transition we're talking about. So I think I agree with you, Craig. I think the young women coming in now are in the same position as the young men, although their choices are, they're not going to be, they're not going to be offered the same weight. I mean, the academy players might be on the same money. I don't know, but the, that, the opportunity there is different, isn't it? From you just coming, you starting out when your career is different from those that are already on a career. It's a heck of a thing to give up, as Johnny says. And with some of them, like, you know, for example, Emma Wassell's an accountant. So for her, she's going to continue to be an accountant, a bit like Jamie Roberts. She's going to have to continue to study to keep her her um, you know, qualifications in check and, and continue yeah. to practice. Same with vets, we have to continue to practice to an extent. And it looks like from the announcement by the SRU that they're, they're going to be allowed to do that, which is probably the you would hope that's probably the way forward is a kind of hybrid working of look, you can carry on being a vet, but we're going to expect a massive commitment from you if you want us also to kind of pay you something to come and be a professional women's rugby player. But we understand the career short, and so we want also because there's plenty of men's players supported, as you say, with Jamie Roberts, and there's a couple of I think you know guys around at the minute who are professional rugby players that are studying and doing bits on the side, aren't they? So, so long as they're able to do that to an extent, then I haven't got a problem with it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the big, you know, I've been banging a drum for ages about, about the, the, the Scottish women rugby players to be able to, um, concentrate on their training, concentrate on their skills, you know, all they're thinking about 
every day is rugby apart from the break time, apart from the, the break days, etc. So I have to, I kind of have to maybe be a little bit more extreme than than your thoughts and Johnny's thoughts because I'm the one that's been saying we need to pay them a a, a decent wage so that they can continue, they can they can become better athletes and they can and we can go to World Cups and not have to scrabble around to try and qualify. It's an automatic qualification or it's a you know to raise our game up. So. It has to. I have to kind of say, well, you know, we are at this point now where, you know, the youth are going to come through and they're going to study, as we've just talked about, and they're going to they're going to have the opportunity to study, but they're also, you know, and 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 get ready for the the end of their career so that they've got another career. Um, uh, uh, but we also have to be aware that some of the other players that maybe they're getting paid a hundred grand a year as such and such, whatever they're doing, well, that's up to them, but we can't really expect them to get any better unless they commit to the, to the program. Yeah. I suppose the problem is though, that when to take a very extreme example, when Stuart Hogg retires at 34 or whenever he, he, he's probably never going to have to work again in his life. If he doesn't want to, if he's invested his money soundly, when, uh, you know, if, I'm trying to think who's one of the what you know, one of the young Christine Bell Isle, you know, is given you know, one of the younger players retires at 34. She's gonna be no better off than if she worked in an office based on what we think they're gonna have paid yeah. Yeah. the players. So I think that's that's the difference. And I think it's I think if if you're gonna I get why you know, I, I do get it. I get I'm not I'm I'm I, in an ideal world I want the women played the same as the men. Yeah, I think yeah. we all we'd all agree with that. I get, but I get why they're not, because the the, the marketing's not there yet, the money's not there yet, the income yeah. isn't there yet from the women's game. So if if you're going to acknowledge that, then I think they need to be given more opportunities to do things outside of rugby, whilst also having a professional career than the men are. Yeah, yeah. To, to to make to make the diff- to kind of like you know balance things out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically overall, it's very positive. The other thing is, I would guess, is where this there is talk of a professional women's team in partnership with other, um, you know, other um, partners. I think it's what, it's dripping out now, isn't it? Because we all announced the same thing. After the URC six weeks ago, we're like, we'd love to have a semi-professional. We had an away day. Partner. The URC had an away day, and they were like, going, yeah. and the top thing that came out was a women's league. Yeah. And then, so, is it uh, Italy have announced the same thing, haven't they? Have they... Uh, yeah, Benetton have announced that they're going to have a, a women's team, um, yeah. semi professional women's team kind of tied in. I think basically somebody from the URC away day had too many beers on the bus and decided to just tweet what they'd been talking about. And now every union's like scrabbling around to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's the kind of market, so good. Uh, it's the market advice they got from Jay Z <laughs> <laughs> pop some bottles, tell them what you're thinking. Yeah. That might actually be a JC letter. Keep, you know? keep it real, Johnny. <laughs> um, the other thing is a semi pro. We get like kind of a semi pro top division in Scotland as well. Craig, is that did I have I misremembered that from the announcement? Um, I'll have to go back and read it to be honest with you. Um, I, I know that they were taught. I I was under the impression that they were going to try and set up a couple of teams that were semi pro in the and all in all your Scotland. Yeah. I think it was two, yeah, um, and 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 align them with the clubs, um, so that you. But so I'm kind of unsure where that's going to go. Um, I know that they are realigning um, all the club competitions as well. Um, so 
they're taking national one eventually, and they're going to actually um, make it regional now as well, rather than a national. And 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 I think the premiership's only going to be the one national. Um, but it's that's in the next couple of years. So um, there's 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 been a lot of different announcements all all kind of at one time. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it's a semi two semi pro clubs aligned with the with the teams. Yeah. Um, at the moment, but we'll wait and see. Well, exciting times. We'll see. We'll see where that leads. Um, what should we do? It feels like we can seamlessly move into the announcement that came out today about Mark Dodson. Is there ever is that a, is there ever a seamlessly? Well, I think it's only because only because he kind of like was. Although the announcement came from Jim Malander, there, there seems to be a lot of. Um, I don't know. He seemed his face is kind of being put all over the women's announcement as well. Yeah. And he's been put front and center, and it's kind of like, oh, this is something he's seen through, and he's a big part of this. And so, obviously, today's been asked. He's, he's you, the council, I think, or the board. I get them mixed up. Um, have voted unanimously for him to extend his contract for eighteen months through to twenty twenty five. It's, I don't. It's difficult, John, to deny. I think nobody can deny that Mark Dodson has done very good things for Scottish rugby financially that we got through the COVID pandemic better than other, not just other unions, but other sporting organisations because of his frugalness and smart thing, you know, the, some of the smart thinking he's put in place. However, we also know the flip side of that is, you know, the rumblings we've had in the past from, you know, Keith, Russell and other bits and bobs that all is not well and has not been well in the past with how the SRU been run by Mark Dodson. And we've got the restructure of how it's going to be governed. And it kind of felt like, I, I kind of wonder with the governance review and the restructuring of the way it's all going to be run, whether or not it wasn't a kind of time for some fresh blood and a time to say, look, let's get a new, you know, you've got 18 months more of Mark Dodson. 18 months is plenty of time to find a successor. Bring him in and then start afresh with the new board and council and restructure. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I think the statement though was quite interesting because they obviously highlighted in the announcement that we are approaching a period of significant uncertainty and change in Scottish rugby, uh, and that having a steady hand at the the helm for that would be a good idea. Which would suggest to me that we're aware that 2023 is going to be a, a switcheroo for certainly for the, the head coach of the Scotland team and that we'll be looking to be, we'll probably be re recruiting and there'll be quite a lot happening in the next year uh, post World Cup. So um, I think Dodson would probably be, I think he would be kept in position because he has a steady hand and he has shown that he's able to financially make sure that, you know, budgets are there. Even with the Glasgow announcement, it was like, if we see the right person, we'll pay the money. So he, ha he hasn't been scared to spend money. And I think that is necessary to attract people to Scotland. But I agree with you. I think the the financial aspects is all great and brilliant. But ultimately, there's elements of the management style that hasn't necessarily worked and probably needs to be... You know, we, we need we need the next guy to do all the financial stuff as well, but also treat people with respect and prop. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it's almost like to, to borrow a Doctor Who analogy, he's almost been like a war doctor, Johnny. He's kind of like the kind of thing thing that Scottish rugby needed because it was almost par before he came in. It was almost paralysed by the kind of militant factions within the clubs still clinging on to the last hopes that rugby would turn amateur, even though it had been 10 years deep in professionalism by the time he came along. And I don't know, he kind of, you know, he's forced a lot of things through. They haven't always been popular, but, you know, I think in the long run, you can say that they've worked to an extent. I mean, Super 6 is, is working. It's not, you know, maybe COVID kind of has stumped a little bit, but it's producing players. It's It's been played to high standards. The... You know, in terms of finances, we're a lot better off than England and Wales, for example. But there are definitely other areas where maybe a bit more—I don't know—a bit more kind of bridge building needed to be done. Yeah, yeah. Even with my limited knowledge of never having watched Doctor Who, that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, and the thing is, like, as as much as he is, or he comes across as being quite brash, and you know, he's not scared to to go to bat for what he wants it's never really gone wrong you know we we all had a bit of a cringe at the old uh suing the weather but <laughs> but we you know scotland got what they needed but, they played, but they played that game but that's the bottom line yeah they, exactly. that game got played. yeah and and it's i guess it comes down to whether whether the the board of the council think that that's the sort of personality that we're going to need for the next few years and whether they know something that we don't know and they think that maybe actually we should keep that sort of personality around. I, th- I agree with you. I think maybe a, a bit of a softer approach is, is going to be needed sooner rather than later. But without knowing what's coming, you know, we might be wishing for Dodson in another 18 months. I don't think you can sue the way. I don't think there's any weather you need to sue in France for Craig, is there? No, I don't, I don't, I don't, think, uh, I don't think we're going to have any... Uh... <laughs> Uh, he's not going to be uh, standing on the uh, edge of the uh, sea shouting at the weather uh, in France. Um, he may be sitting with a little uh, drink with an umbrella in it in France, but he won't be. He won't be shouting at the weather. It's, uh, the problem you have is, is is that I see the case from business wise, and if you look at you know we're we're, we're now at a stage where we're going into into Murrayfield, um for an international game, um, and you struggle to get a ticket because it's full. Um, we've got a, a we've got a great exiles program. We're bringing in some phenomenal players. All of this, but you know, his leadership has allowed us to have the money to do that. Um, I think the and also to having someone bullish as uh, bullish as as he is. Uh, it, I'm always a big fan of someone slapping the blazers around a little bit, and I think. He's one of those people that can do that if need be, um, and tell them tell them fairly straight exactly what where we are with it, you know. So, uh, I think that for me, I'm I'm fairly happy with them staying on just now. Um, and and if the the issue you also have is what's going to what do we get next? Who do we get next? What what's going to happen next? And you always worry about those things as well because I think we've had a fairly rude rude health. SRU's been in fairly rude health monetary wise and, and and no matter what anybody says, if you don't have the money, you know, all the goodwill in the world ain't gonna get you get you anything. You know? I tell you what the re- remuneration package is on, you're not gonna to struggle to find others to be queuing <laughs> around the block, some of the best guys in the world to come in and do the you know. That's very true. We could do it just docking these pay even if you docked one of these bonuses, I think you could pay for the Scottish women's programme. <laughs> 
That's the thing, though. Like, it's a valid point to say to mention the remuneration that he's got because he's been he's been handsomely rewarded for what has been. And do you know what people can criticise and say? Oh, he's he's not done a good job. We've not made progress on the park. His job isn't his job isn't necessarily to have us playing better rugby on the park. His job's not to win the Six Nations. His job's to employ the people to get us closer to that. Yeah. Whilst also managing the financial side and the growth of the game. Player yeah. His job's are, to not have us in mountains of debt, which he's done yeah, a lot better than the teams well. of any other nations have. And because yeah. of that, he gets paid well. And you're absolutely right. When it comes to replace him, there is money to replace him. So you can pick and choose your candidates. You can pay the top buck for the right person. And that's a really powerful position to be in. And, you know, look at the RFU are about to have all their chickens coming you know it's coming to roost all at the same time because they're going to be losing a head coach they're going to be you know there's going to be management needing replaced there's going to be all sorts of things happening there and they've not got a dime to rub together they they hosted a world cup list than a decade ago and have lost all the money already yeah yeah like I me mean, you look yeah mark dudson was appointed in 2011 so that's what 12 i've got my maths right here so 12, 11 years ago 11 years yeah so he's been there 11 years. So you think there are players playing now in Scotland for Scotland who have come, who have pr- would pretty much have come fully through the systems in that time. Yep. And you have to say that you look at where Scotland was in 20, the, the, the standard of players playing for Edinburgh and Glasgow and playing for Scotland in 2011 to compared to the standard of players playing for Scotland now. And where Scotland are in the world now is that we we have a lot of catching up to do, but the players now are, are of a much higher quality. And we have we've I, I think if you look at it in terms of every, all, every country has adva- has progressed in terms of skills and in terms of development, but we've probably progressed faster, although we've not completely caught up. So that now we're kind of fifth, seventh is in the, the world um, rather than tenth. Is the video of uh, Joe Ansborough cracking his head open off Alistair Strokosh, not from the 2011 World Cup. No, that was it was the summer tour. That was the summer tour playing in Newcastle in the absolute gubbing rain uh, in Australia. So it was. So the 20 was the 20 dice. So the 2011 World Cup was, was New Zealand. Was New Zealand? Was yeah. New Z- yeah, yeah, that was the New Zealand. That was New Zealand the, one. That was the Chris Patterson amazing tackle against England. The uh, as absolutely shanking. So that was a, that was a, that was the first. So that's the first World Cup in which we didn't progress from the group stages. Yep. So that's the standard you're looking at compared to where we are now, and that's all down to. And you know, I'm not saying it's all down to Mark Dodson because there are other people involved, but in terms of funding for pathways and structures, it's night. It's absolutely night and day to where Scotland were and where we are now. However, the head clash was 2011 in the summer. I thought it was, Can you imagine Joansborough and Alistair Strokosh being in the Scotland squad now? No. Not Strokosh. <laughs> that's, that's what we've come from from when Dawson took over. Yeah. You know, just, we've got a year and a half for um, Al Kellogg to be groomed to come in and take over from Dodson uh, when he, when he, uh, and then we'll be fine, John. Be my guest. Have Can we not get Nathan Bumpers back? 
That's yeah, exactly. Playing the long game, get him in charge, get him to sort Canada out and get him yeah, exactly. the, uh, yeah. a bit of experience. He's, yeah. he's doing what the yeah. All Blacks do. He's going abroad for a wee bit of experience and then he's going to yeah. come back and take the big job. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We'll move on from Mark Dodson then. Um, shall we talk about the announcement today? We've got it for the Scotland A International against Chile. Um, I still don't like that we haven't got a proper name for our A team. Yeah, like we could be really creative, couldn't we? The Scottish Caledonias, the Scotland Unicorns. Scotland I think the Scottish Un- the Unicorns is is the best one we've ever come up. We've we've <laughs> talked about that in the past. And I think the Unicorns is the best yeah, one. Yeah, it should got. be the Unicorns. Yeah, it's our it's our national animal. Yeah, yeah. What the Scotty dogs? <laughs> the Grey Friars Bobbies. Uh, oh, not the bobbies. I mean, it doesn't really, really cut it if you're going. You know, we're going with that, and then we're up against the wolfhounds. It's a wee bit of a like, you know, there's a psychological element there. Oh, you know, well, magic, though. Just wait till you have you not heard about Sterling's new rebranding. No, I like it. No. We'll come to that later. Absolutely. Like okay. Right. We'll keep on chilly. I'm, I'm going to have to Google that in the meantime while we're having a yeah, yeah. talking. <laughs> so, the Scotland squad for uh, the Chile game, you've got, um, we'll go from the back to the front, Ollie Smith, Damien Hoyland, uh, Matt Curry, Sione Teal, Pulotu, Rufus McLean, Ross Thompson, George Horn, Jamie Batty, Dave Cherry, Javan Sebastian, which we'll talk about in a moment, no doubt, Um Jimmy Hodgson, Scott Cummings, uh, Ben Moncaster, Luke Crosby, and Matt Ferguson. Then on the bench, Johnny Matthews, Pierre Schumann. It's Murphy Walker, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I keep wanting to say Murray. And there it goes, Murray Maggie Bradbury, Ali Price, Blakinghorn, and Mark Bennett. Um, my only thought, with my immediate thought was that Tooney's bottled it because if you're going to go in an a, a international... And I can. There's a lot of hand holding going on there, and I just would have absolutely not bothered with that at all, and just thrown, just played the kids. It feels yeah, like a. It feels like a massive missed opportunity just to kind of throw everybody at it just for a laugh. There's no ranking points. There's no caps. <laughs> Steph from Rock and Roll Rugby will be happy because Javis Sebastian still can go back to Wales in 880 whatever his days. <laughs> <laughs> As, yeah. I'm kind of, I am a little bit with you on that. Yeah. What was your thoughts on it, John? Uh, do you know, yeah, it does feel like that. It feels a wee bit like, do you know when we, we sometimes play teams and 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 like the the Ottoman internationals and it's like, okay, so we're putting out a we're putting out a kind of development team, but actually we've got the big boys in the bench ready to come on. So I mean that's a pretty strong bench we're packed down with. Um so it's like if it's all going wrong, we can just send the you know, send the big send the big boys on, and we'll go and sort it out. Um, but what does it matter if it's going on? Like Johnny says, there's nothing no, at stake uh, here. No, I know, I know. And yeah, the I'll, Ottoman internationals are a little bit different because there's ranking points and stuff up for grabs yeah. in Ottoman. But this is literally a nothing game. I think we also do need to remember as well. It's chilly. It's like we're we're not exactly to you know even if this was like Tonga or you know. A kind of understrength Samoa or something would be like, all right, okay, well, you know, that's a bit of a risky side, but could still we'd still be saying we should get the job done, probably twenty points. We're talking about Chile. Is that like, ah, uh, so yeah, but we talked about this earlier, John. 
Um, <clears throat> yeah, I I go back to the touring squad. I don't, you know, Hamish Watson, um, uh, Duhan van der Merwe, Rory Sullivan. Well, maybe R- Rory Sullivan because he's he's not played a huge amount because he's been injured. But there's there's a there's an awful lot of players that I didn't think should have gone at Argentina in the first place because they yeah. should have taken younger players because it's it's a it's a you know now that we've got you know if you look at that bench um, and you look at some of the players that are in the actual starting squad if we get start getting put under the pump you know it's the, it's going to be like the world's ended within the the press and the and the Scot and the Scotland fans. Whereas if we had a young team out to develop them, we could turn around and go, "Well, what do you expect? They're a young team." Um, and yeah, a, and a, totally should be lose, should be blooding a few a few more of the players. You know, Hamish Hamish Watson shouldn't have been going out there. He should be resting, and we should have had Connor Boyle going out. And, and know, he's and, I think so, and things like it's an it's an opportunity for these boys to experience a tour. Hamish Watson's been on the, you know, on Alliance tour during exactly. COVID. I mean, there's no tougher tour than that, you know, what we've seen on ITV so far. Um, yeah. That's but, been brilliant, by the way. Yeah. It's been really good. But then you've, um, got, you've got, that's why Schumann's going, because Schumann, okay, fair enough, Schumann's a well-rounded prop and, a, and he's, he's a starter for Scotland, but, he, you know, he's on tour because he's never been on a Scotland tour before, you know? That's. I think it felt like. I think it was the Matt Ferguson thing that got me because Johnny. I was kind of. It feels like a massive missed opportunity not to throw Andy Christie in <clears throat> with the other two back rowers. Yeah, yeah. I agree because I actually watched the Premiership final on uh, Saturday. He was really good when he came on. He's very good. Yeah, really good. And then elsewhere, you've got. Um, I mean, it's hard to see elsewhere. I mean. Jay and Sebastian, do you want to talk about? We were saying, Johnny, before on the group chat about Sam Lana's thread early in the week about what props do. Yeah, yeah, which has, which has not necessarily switched my opinion of, of Sebastian, but it has switched my opinion of, of why you would pick him because, you know, we talked about WP Nell and thing, and, you know, people are asking who's going to be the, the first choice tight head. WP Nell is the the still the best scrummager of any of our tight heads. Close with Xander, I think Xander probably just about got him. But apart from all the rest of them, Nell is the best, right? But if you look at Sam's thread from earlier in the week, and I retweeted it if you haven't seen it, he looked at, at attacking rucks in this year's Six Nations and by position which players from which team are the first person to arrive at an attacking ruck. And it, for Scotland, it was Scotland used their props to do that. And it, it was like 23.5% or 24% of the time, the first player into an attacking ruck for Scotland is a prop. With all the love in the world to WP Nell, who we all love more than anybody, WP Nell is not getting to 12% of our attacking rucks first, ever. <laughs> right? And so the point that Sam was making... How very is that dare you. Well, let's, be, let's be honest. Not unless it's a someone, chicken wings. Someone who's, ne- <laughs> someone, who, someone who's never seen a ruck in his entire life before. Don't you dare. <laughs> um, but the uh, the point that Sam was making is that if you take somebody out who's doing that job, then that work's got to go somewhere else. So, so in Scotland's case, that probably means that somebody like Scott Cummings or Jamie Ritchie then starts having to hit 12% of the rucks first. 
and they're our main carriers in the forward so that you don't have anyone to do the carrier. It's not going to affect them. It's not going to affect. So although I don't think Sebastian is anywhere near as good as WPNL, I understand a bit now why he's in there, why he's doing what he is, because he will get to more rucks. And then that that means more people in the team can keep doing the jobs that they're meant to do. It, and yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Do we, do we know that, though? Do we know that he would get to more rucks? Well, that was probably Kev, Kev Wynas just pointed out that the English lads can't I forgot they can't play yes, as it's outside right, the national yeah, yeah. window, which is why Andy Christie can't, isn't, isn't it? Yeah. Eight. Or, yeah, see, do have is he's there but can't play. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I think, yeah, I mean, John, the point you're going to make is do, do we know that Jim and Sebastian can make that number of rocks? We don't, we don't, I guess, but I think, I suppose it's the, and Sam was also talking another thing about the money ball effect, and rugby is a bit of a money ball game, and it's, it's not about throwing the best 15 players in, and we've said this before, it's not about picking your best 15 players and sending them out to win a, in a win a game. It's about sending out the 15 players that will fit the system that your team needs, either needs to or wants to play. And I think, I think for me, we, I think something Gregor Townsend has learned is Scotland are still not at a place where we can pick and choose what game we want to play. We still have some limitations. So there is an element of we're stuck with what we've got and we've, we've got to play a certain way and we've got to play to our strengths. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I would probably counter that by saying that we're a year out from a World Cup and have been under the tenure of the same coach for quite some time now. And to not have, if we, if we're not able to play in different ways, then I get, I get the personnel limitations. I really do, and I appreciate that. But ultimately, that that then is a failure of the coaching team. That's not like. You know, the guys getting called up, that's not a reflection on them. If we're not able to play in different ways, that's because the coaches have decided not to or left it too late in the day to, to attempt that. So I, I would say playing playing in the ways that we can play with the players we've got is a success of the coaching team. Like Gregor Townsend, try as he might, Mark Dawson try as he might, cannot find 500,000 rugby players like England have got, like France have got. So he has no option other than to look at the players and go, all right, well, this is what we've got. This is how we're going to play. He can't just go, we're going to play this way if the if the skill sets and the physical conditions... I'd say we're going, to be the, we're going to be the fastest... Uh, the fastest um, but there is... There is I know there is... The world, you know? Yeah, I know there was that, but then there is... And Craig, you'll know, Steve Coach, but the, the, the SIU have a blueprint yeah. for how they want players to be trained from a young age in, in, in Scotland to produce... To play, I suppose to play to the strengths of a typical, the, the kind of players that Scotland will produce biologically, I guess. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, we're, we're we not, don't we're have not, a, a. We're not going to produce seven like feet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're not producing seven foot blonde tree trunks of guys. Scotland. I mean, Scott McLeod is a genetic freak because he's from the same family as Darcy Graham. <laughs> <laughs> well, you listen again. I was talking to John about it earlier on. Um, you know, you just need to look at the um, the, the the Van der Merwe family um, yeah. on the uh, on the uh, on the Lions documentary, and um, 
let's just say Duhan is the freak and the or the adopted one out of the whole. Duhan's family. adopted. That's what you decided. <laughs> I don't know. In the in the face and biceps, he looks he looks a lot like Acker, but that's like everything. Like that's all yeah. the similarities they've got. Yeah, but Acker's five foot eight and he's about six yeah. foot ten or something, as you know. Right Big old arms and a pointy jaw is pretty. <laughs> nice. yeah, felt, that's, that's why I felt bad for my brother when we were on holiday last week with him. Poor lad, that's got me all week. For some reason, my, my, my head just went, I thought you were going to see the biceps and the jawline. Oh, I, well, I, was, I, think I think that's what it's interesting. If I showed you Cammy's biceps and jawline and Duhan van der Beer's biceps and jawline, you'd be hard pushed to tell them apart. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Guess who's coming back in the pod next week? I was going to say, this is sticky bum lick, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think, I think you're right. Like, I think we have a, a way that we want to play, and uh, I would, I think Townsend has at times been quite rigid in what he's attempting to do, um, and he's picked personnel to do that, and he's had a lot of successes with that. Don't get me wrong; I think you know. The big one obviously jumps out that Chris Harris is Chris Harris is not the centre anybody wanted at any point until it was revealed that he's actually the you know a great defensive centre and we could all see the value in it. So that's why he gets paid a lot of money. I just think if you're going to be competitive at an international level, you know, look at look at the teams above us in the rankings, right? Yes, they have more players than us. But ultimately, we have a strong international group of players and we're not in a position to necessarily have a plan B. And those are guys who have been, have been they play plan, plan B for their clubs. It's not like they're just all stuck in absolute madcap mode or Townsend pragmatism mode. They play different ways. So See, the weird thing about this is that at the exact same time as we're saying this, I can think of at least two... Welsh rugby podcasts at the exact same time that are saying Pivak needs to get a grip because he's trying to force players to play the way he wants to play when the Welsh players don't have the mindset or physical capability to do it. So he needs to adjust his game plan to fit the players that he's got. And they think that's what he should be doing. That's what Townsend is doing. And we're going, I can't believe that Townsend's not coming up with a different way to play. How is this happening? Is He's that doing exactly what the Welsh are screaming out for. Is that a legacy of Gatlin, though? I is wouldn't that... swap them for Pivak, though. <laughs> oh, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> I think, I suppose, I mean, this is a bit of a... It's a freebie, this game, because I don't really know what we're going to learn from this. It's an opportunity for the lads to go out, and it's a tour game, we'll win it. It's a good experience for Chile. I feel, well... We Chile, I mean, Chile have qual- qualified for the World Cup. Game. They've qualified for the World Cup, but uh, are you hard pressed to see us losing this game with the with the players? Have, have they actually qualified for the World Cup? Or are they not? Have they not got a playoff? Is it the playoff they qualify for? They're not. They they not Canada. Have you not seen that one? There's that wonderful not, video. Canada and the USA. Or there is that wonderful. Yeah, USA, I think that's the USA. The USA game is coming up. Yeah, the, saying, yeah, the warm up for the USA game. Do you know? Yeah. Do you remember? That you, have you, there's that wonderful video where um, I can't was there nine or ten. Um, oh, and Squidge post, it. He, well, no, because because at the end of the game, because Squidge was following Chile and rugby quite closely, and now they're there nine or they're ten, gives a shout out to Squidge. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> now you can make a video about this. 
Ah, oh, it's amazing. And Squidge made a video about it just because I asked <laughs> the post-match interview for one. Yeah, um, they've definitely they've got a qualifier against USA in a way. So let's be honest, they're not going to qualify for the World Cup. Well, I don't know if you've seen the state of USA rugby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, but quality will tell there. I'm, I'm putting, I'm, yeah. I'm putting that one. Uh, that's another one of my bold predictions. So as Angus is saying, the first legs in Santiago, home advantage to Chile. The second's in Denver. Now I think Denver's a good place to go and play the USA because it's not Texas in the 40 degree boiling yeah, in the summer. Although it is really high. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. That is true. But then again, Santiago's not sea level, is it? So... <laughs> no, it's, it's always chilly, yes. <laughs> so, um, be okay. I'll tell you what is interesting about this team, by the way, is not only Luke Crosby captain, but Sione 2 promoted vice-captain. And yeah. at 12. And at 12. At 12. They're not giving up on that, are they? They really are. <laughs> it is interesting. I mean, that isn't that it's a quick turnaround to yeah. have somebody come into the squad <laughs> and then become vice captain that quickly. But then I suppose on the other side, who else would you who else could you have in the backs? Other than I suppose what Rufus McLean, maybe. But I suppose he's there because he's out of them all. Sierra Tu Pilotu has the most caps. Out of that back line. Surely Hornito's got more. Hornito's got more. Sorry, Hornito's got more. You're right. And then you don't really, I think, I think if if, if I was putting something together, I wouldn't be putting the pressure on George. uh, I would not be like George. I would George. It's to be captain anyway. And and also, yeah, he does like to swear in the company of a referee. Yeah, I just, I just, I just want him to, I just want him to get a good couple of, couple of games under his belt and actually show people again what he is, what he is. I can't believe that Craig's not suggested Damien Hoyland for vice captain. Well, actually, um, no. You because, can't have because... someone from the back three years captain, Johnny. We've talked about this before. <laughs> vice captain? Vice captain. Did you not say Rufus McLean? Yeah, you did say Rufus McLean. There's just something wrong so with you his brain. It. It's, it's, it's the back. It's because <laughs> he's in the back three years. You're it's all just He spent too sure, long standing around with his hands in his pockets. Cammy started it. Rufus McLean is so quick though that you don't know he's in the back three because he's yeah. actually in the midfield. He could, he could be, realize. he'd be if you're up by the referee, no time you find. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. are, you try, are you trying to say that I'm too slow? Is that is that your suggestion? Uh, if, it, if, it, if it sounds like a duck, Johnny. <laughs> if the shoe fits. Yeah. Um, the only issue, I suppose, is with this tour, is I, I don't know what. We learn about anything this far out from a World Cup because I think you could. I, I don't know what. I, I, it's not the full. Townsend's got the excuse of it's not a full squad. A squad's not a full strength. It's almost at full strength, but it's not a full strength. And he can he'll tinker around and play around with things. And I don't know what. I think the coaching staff will learn more than we'll learn. Yeah, I like. I guess what you'd want to see is either. Jav and Sebastian or Murphy Walker have two or three really good games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Murphy but then, Walker. But then is you, twice, you want twice the players, Sebastian. But the thing is, you you want those you want those players to get. It's for for me from what I can see, you're wanting to bring players that you that are borderline um, going to the World Cup in your head, or are. Um, uh, New to the Scotland setup, and you want them to 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 deal with a tour. 
Um, yeah. So like this, Luke Crosby, yeah. uh, Marshall, uh, oh, Marshall, Marshall, Marshall's injured, um, but nope. um, what's his name? Um, Glenn, Glenn Young. Glenn Young, the back row, uh, Ben Moncaster. Um, you know, you're wanting these guys all to go out and actually um, get get that, get used to it. You want... Um, this uh, is Schumann the last time there's going to be a tour before the World yeah. Cup. And well, you want Schumann to excuse it as well and, and all these different things. But also you want the young lads. Like Luke Crosby, you, you know, to be made captain of the A-side, he's obviously in... Got a got a great opportunity of going to the World Cup, um, and so or he's in Tooney's mind. So you're going to take you're going to take him to, to 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 try these different things. That's why I don't really get the whole Hamish Watson thing, and yeah, um, and uh, you know because I don't he, he, he's you're not doing anything for Hamish Watson apart from giving him a wage. I suppose the only thing you're doing for Hamish Watson is Hamish. I suppose the question Hamish Watson's there for others. Hamish Watson's there to say. To sit around the campfire and tell story war stories of being on the Lions tour, to yeah. kind of rally, you know, say I've been, I've done the hard, I've done these tours before. It's a lot of fun. I've been there before, lads. Here's my stories, and here's I, where I've, I think you know, Hamish I think Watson, this- to be honest, is probably there a bit for Hamish Watson as well because since the Lions tour, yeah, when have we or anybody else spoken about Hamish Watson? We've yeah. spoken about Rory Darge. We've spoken about Luke Crosby. Or, or we have spoken about him in Jack a negative. Dempsey, we've spoken about Ben Muncaster, and it's a bit of like, "Oh, don't worry, Hamish, come along. You're still, you're yeah. still here. Don't worry about it. Come and have a bit of fun." Yeah. Could you explain, that logic. Explain Ali Price. <laughs> well, I think Ali Price probably needs. It. I think Ali Price is playing within himself quite a lot as well. I mean, he's he's had a good game. I think both Hamish Watson and Ali Price. I think have struggled after the Lions tour, so I think I can see it both ways. One is you give them a rest from rugby. The other, the other side is you go away on a lads' holiday and you play some rugby while you're out there, and sure. maybe take the responsibility off a little bit and just say, "Look, you're here to look after the young lads. That you know, we're not you. You'll play the games, you'll play some games, but you mainly what we want you to do is come out and have a bit of fun and relax a little bit on tour, rather than having you, the weight think- of the world on you." Do you think they've learned anything from last time out with Tommy Seymour? So he's the name that kind of comes to mind. Tommy Seymour never recovered from the Lions tour. He, yeah. he, he never, he was never the same player that he was when he went out, out there. And I do wonder if they're taking a different approach because he was given a rest straight after and he was given all the kind of time and stuff and he just never came back. He was never as driven. You know, he was a great player, but just never quite reached the levels that he was at. So maybe they've said to these guys, like you say, you know, let's go let's go on a lads tour. We'll give you twenty minutes at the end of end of one of the Argentina games, Hamish, but actually just come and train, take it easy, have some coffee with the boys, all good. Yeah. Possibly. And even if he like does it. and even if he does even if he, you know, from a certain point of view it might even be Come and come over to South America and beat up some Argentinians for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, you get out of your system. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and, and come back and have a nice, you know, have a good time. Come and play against Argentina for three weeks, and you'll you'll get your confidence back, get your mojo back a wee bit, and yeah, because because they're in some quite weird places as well. So, like, depending on what the restrictions are like, it's probably quite a fun tour. Yeah, I think that's it. I think there is an element of because rather than going stewing and watching it on telly and wishing you were there, and 
maybe they've been given a choice. Maybe. Yeah. You know, if you need a rest, you have a rest. If you don't, if you'd like rather come out with us and have a bit of fun on tour, on you go. We'll, you know. But I think I think the opposite was true with Stuart Hogg and Finn Russell. I think they were told absolutely yeah. outright, "You're having the summer off." You're having the summer off. Go away, because... go away and think about your actions, boys. Go and check, go and check your ego in. Aye. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe move house. There's, I suppose, because it gives an opportunity. I. The cynic within me still thinks it's an opportunity for Scotland to move on from Stuart Hogg as captain. Yes. Yeah. Because you have a clean break and you come back yeah, and go. Townsend hasn't come He's not it. been dropped as captain. We've just decided to go in a different direction. We've had the it's, summer to reflect. It's a real yeah. shame that Jamie Ritchie's not making these games. Yeah. yeah. You, you've got no doubt if Jamie Ritchie's there, he captains the side for these games. And, and that's that, it. Yeah. That, it doesn't even get mentioned about in the. the the next fixtures, it is just oh, Jamie Ritchie's continuing as captain. No yeah. mention of Hog. Okay, right. I think that's it for this week. That was the main bang podcast. on an hour when you said that, that. was bang on an hour. I don't know what it was. Very well done. Impressive. Makes it look like these things aren't planned, John. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> well, we can we can cause you a wee bit of bother and just keep talking just now. Just you to... could do, you could do. When Ian was on the other week, he kept talking through the bit where I normally like a bit of silence, so I can find the silence to split the episode in two on audio afterwards. But he kept talking. <laughs> he Shocking. did that. You could, you could. <laughs> to be honest, you could just make that Ian's catchphrase, but he kept talking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Look, that's it for us for this week for the main podcast. If you're a patron and you're watching live, hang about, um, and we'll be on to the patron-only section in a moment. Um, if you are listening on the audio podcast on the Patreon, then you'll get part two of this podcast separately. Otherwise, uh, for this week, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from Johnny, John, and Craig. Bye. Bye.